Welcome on into the show. My name is Denny Gallagher, and I'm joined by the snare campaign, Pervaca. You know what? You know what, Benny? There's been too much provoking this week. It's America's favorite drummer, America's favorite dad, America's TV dad. It's Benny Horowitz. What's up, dude? Oh, wow. Those are grand titles. I, well, one thing we were just discussing that may put me uh, more firmly into that group, Denny, is do you know I do have a very extensive knowledge of uh, historic and contemporary lingerie? I, now I do. Now I do. Yeah. Well, for uh, for a uh, man, a cis man, who uh, doesn't wear lingerie. Okay. Um, good, good to well, know. Well, I have. You know, I've thrown on a couple <laughs> pairs when I was younger. See what it feels like. Um, but, uh, yeah, because of my wife and my openness to these things, I, I'd say... I'd say I'm among, in my criteria base here, I'd say I'm among the most knowledgeable cis men in lingerie. I think so. I'm excited for this to just become two dudes talking about lingerie podcast. Listen, I'm into it, man. I actually, I've, I've, I am so exposed to it at this point that I actually have an opinion, you know? Wow. Wow. <laughs> well, that's why you do a podcast. I can see li- something at this point and go, that's trash. Crap. <laughs> Crap. Don't touch it. Look at that. <laughs> Look at those seams. So when you go into the mall, right? Because mm. I feel like you're doing a service for men everywhere. When you go in, in into the mall and you're walking past the Victoria's Secret, but then there's the higher end ones. What yeah. what goes through the mind? What? In the higher end one? Well, I think the thing to consider is like, and think of it for yourself. If you were to buy like a robe, yeah. If you were to buy slippers, if you were to buy uh, some sort of nighttime accessory for yourself, uh, you would you would spend a little more money on quality to have this piece for a while, right? Mm-hmm. It's got to feel good. It's got to be that thing. So you got to consider the same thing. So if you're walking by the Victoria's Secret three for twenty five bin. And you don't even know exactly what she likes and stuff like that. And it's a little confusing. Yeah, go to the high-end store and buy a, buy a nicer pair with a gift receipt. Just in Always. case. <laughs> I mean, that, that's the thing, though, is like if you're going to go out and buy lingerie, I, I would recommend to somebody, especially somebody who's a novice in this area, is go get yourself a gift certificate and an offer to go along. For the first few times, you know what I mean? Because this is very specific stuff. This is personal taste. This is the different materials, comfort against your skin. It's your body. It's, you know, it, it can be a, a murky water. So I'd say until you really, really know the taste of your partner, you should go to a joint mission, you know, and, and those can be fun. Be open to it. And actually, you should know in the really fancy ones, they'll pour you a scotch. Hmm. Yeah. So just like those fancy suit stores. They'll they'll get you a drink at those nice those nice lingerie ones. We got a promo code for the wife's company after this in inverted <laughs> ad. Like what like like what's going on here? <laughs> no, 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 no. Just as you said, I'm providing a service. I, I feel like, you know, people who listen to this program are probably a lot like us and you know, not really hip to these types of things. And I, I have a unique insight, you know, I'll give to my people here. Well, you know what is a gift to the people each and every week, Benny? I I have a guess. Is it this day in music history? Ding ding ding. Do, 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 do. 
So this is uh, an interesting one for my family, and it might come out of left field mm. for you. Yeah. On this day in 1985, Tears for Fears released the sophomore album Songs from the Big Chair. Uh, you know, the famous singles on there being Shout and Everybody Wants to Rule the World. And, you know, uh, I was a kid when these came out, and these songs... I can remember in movies all throughout the eighties and commercial, like this was, these were proper, proper pop songs in the U S in the eighties. So I knew the hits growing up, good tunes, but I, I didn't pay much attention. And then years later, I guess probably the late nineties or mid nineties when it came out, the, the film Donnie Darko came out mm. and they used the song mad world. And, uh, I think even a different tears for fear song too. And I rediscovered him as an adult and kind of fell in love, surprisingly. Like, I really didn't think I was going to fall in love with Tears for Fears. And I totally did. And particularly this record, it's a constant spinner in the Horowitz house. Mm -hmm. And it's one of the uh, mutually beloved albums between me and my wife. And so what's funny about this show and one of the reasons I enjoy it was, you know, this day in music history... Uh, made me go down a little wormhole about how this album came to be. And, you know, apparently uh, this was taken as a very dark album. People didn't like, like, the lyrical content. And Everybody Wants to Rule the World is a, is a very serious song. Even in quotes by Kurt Smith the uh, uh, from Tears for Fears, he said, the concept is quite serious. It's about everybody wanting power, about warfare and the misery it causes you know, kind of serious topic. Mm -hmm. And uh, Shout was also a huge song. And the thing that was cool about this was they were torn up by the UK press, apparently. Like, they were already, um, you know, very famous in the UK. The Hurting, their first uh, record, um, was like a number one album. And, you know, they were already big. But when they released this album, here's a quote from The Enemy. It says... the the useless sort of art that makes self-pity and futility a commercial proposition. Ouch! Mm. Jeez, UK press. Like, you know, way to eat your own. So when they uh, read these reviews on their early stuff, they clapped back and they chose the album title, Songs from the Big Chairs, from the 76 TV movie Sybil about a woman with multiple personalities who reviews her true self from the safety of her psychiatrist's big chair, or psychiatrist's big chair. So Smith said this title was kind of a, an up yours hmm. to the English music press who fucked with them for a while. So I didn't realize this backstory about uh, Tears for Fears and kind of, I think what I appreciated is, you know, in that context, many younger artists would uh, would bow to the pressure and do more, positive or bubblegummy stuff and they doubled down and made a really broody dark kind of beautiful album that that lasts today and i still enjoy it so thanks tears for fears for keeping it real you know love that i love like you know this from me i love when people do dark songs over like a positive like pop mm. like really uh energetic me music and like instrumental so have always had a deep admiration for them, didn't know the backstory, so that was really cool. It's super interesting with the British press, how like, Oof. like they can like super love you and also super tear you down. 
I uh, this week, I don't know if you've seen this movie yet. Uh, Spencer with Kristen Stewart about Princess Die. I heard about it. It is a psychological thriller and a half. Would highly recommend. Um, it's about like the Christmas before like uh, her and Charles got got the divorce, and it is a psychological thriller. It's crazy. So oh, would would hundred percent recommend. I heard Kristen Stewart was quite good. Yeah, she's always really good. So yeah. All right. Well, I'm gonna keep it British today, shall we? Oh. And it's back to back weeks doing a birthday because in the entire time we've been doing this, we haven't exactly highlighted the birthdays. So it's always good to sh- shed a light on who uh, was born this day, who's c- celebrating a birthday. But born this day on ni- in 1943, George Harrison. The uh-huh. um, that's right. Uh, heard of him? Heard of him? Heard of him? Especially after the get back thing, which is interesting because oh man. All right. Just complete tangents here for two seconds, right? <laughs> Paul McCartney, Please. new tour, got back tour. How do we feel about oh, this? Oh, stop it. Did yeah. he really call it that? Yeah, yeah. It's really the got back tour. Baby oh, got geez. back tour. I mean, but is am I the only one who makes the immediate relation to baby got back? Uh, yeah, like same. Oh, okay, okay. Because, <laughs> I mean... In the oh my god, they really called it that, Denny. You're yeah. sort of blowing my mind. I'm not. I'm not BS. One thing I could tell to you about being inside this business is that, you know, Paul McCartney didn't just write one email and then this tour was <laughs> called that. Like this, that went over a lot of people's desks yeah. and through a lot of people's emails. <laughs> and the, you know, and the fact that nobody, like, I mean, if someone brought it to attention, they they must have been swiftly, swiftly brought down i don't i don't know uh, paul mccartney got back to her yeah it literally like reads in 2022 as paul mccartney's got some ass yeah tour. yeah exactly like that is that is not oh paul oh paul he uh, should he should have opened up urban dictionary before that one yeah yeah Yikes. well or or just had all be in touch with popular music but hey it's coming to met life and he's still playing stadiums so who really yeah. wins here He's got back in. He's got the stadium. So, but yeah, no. Back to uh, man. I did the classic Beatles thing where I'm talking about George Harrison and then Paul McCartney comes into it. So, uh, but George Harrison, born this day, um, died in 2001 at the age of 58. But uh, yeah, his solo stuff, traveling Wilburys, all that stuff. You know about it. You don't need me to go into further detail. What's your favorite George Harrison era? Is it Beatles, Wilburys, or his uh, This Too Shall Pass? Or all I mean, I think for pass? me, you know, so much of my connection to music is built on my own nostalgia. And, you know, a Beatles song never came out when I was alive, but the Traveling Wilburys sure did. Yeah. And I knew all about it because I came from a rock and roll household and knew about the project and knew the song. So, I mean the actual in truth most exciting part of George Harrison's career to me was was the Wilburys. Yeah. I mean, it's like we talk about super teams and guys pairing up together. I mean, this and and we'll talk about another guy who teamed up in a little bit. But uh, I mean, the Traveling Wilburys, it's like it's 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 literally like the big 3 in Miami. It's the Heatles. So, yeah, yeah, and I believe, you know, Roy Orbison mm. you know passed away like immediately when when that project got put together so imagine if they got to write music for a while it would have been amazing yeah anyway that's this day in music history 
And I brought up a guy who is a part of a super team. And we got one music <laughs> headline today. David Crosby's talking. He was he was like the the the, Chris the Kyrie Irving, James Harden of super teams back in the day. <laughs> <laughs> he was a real locker room nuisance that David Crosby. <laughs> so would uh oh man, real real locker room nuisance and then I kind of Keeping this basketball shtick going, I wonder what Joni Mitchell's role would have been. Is is is, is Joni Mitchell the Cleveland Cavaliers trying trying to like break up the Heatles? <laughs> yeah, and she's definitely a rotational three and D player for sure. Joni Mitchell, Shane Battier, Joni Mitchell, <laughs> yeah, Shane yeah. Um, All right, but if, so we got this follow up on the story. We talked a lot about the Neil Young, Joe Rogan situation, and David Crosby talking to Stereo. Stereo Gum uh, advised young people not to become musicians uh, when asked. He, he was asked about pay disparities and the future of uh, music and streaming and, and stuff like that. Um, the eighty-year-old, eighty-year-old rock star laid out a sad portrait of his life, where in in a future where he's running out of money and he's going to have to sell his house um, due to his lack of income from streaming and his inability to tour because of his age. So, lot to make of this, but. Uh, Benny, I guess talking about this specific example, not to go into further stuff about, you know, like the Joe Rogan, New Young stuff, because we did that already. But what other ways can a older artist like this uh, make money if they're unable to tour? I don't know. Yeah. And then, you know, that's where what he says, there is some truth to it. And it's sad, you know, for someone like David Crosby, you'd think you could just sit back and basically collect checks on your music until you die. Cause you did the work, you know, you wrote the hits, you did the touring and you'd think you could have like a 60 years old to death cushion from that, you know, level of work. And I, I can't go into like what David Crosby did with his finances and his personal life. I have no idea if he was wise with his money or not. That's not for me to say, but I do think the format he's talking about is very true. I mean, if you're an artist who's not on the road and you're not currently making new music, the breakdown of royalty that you're getting now from the random, you know, purchases of your music is feeble and you won't be able to make uh, an actual living career off your music. So again, this is why you're seeing, likes of him and all these people just sell their publishing because i think there's just this idea that the whole system and where it's going is going to get a lot worse before it gets better um i think the saddest part about it is like don't become a musician won't well, i mean what else are they going to do and that's where the, the the one part of this sounds out of touch is you know you know what man there are people making fucking money you know, they're just not making money playing music David Crosby writes and his friends, you know, <laughs> yeah. like like if you're talking about singer songwriters with guitars writing uh, pointed songs to the heart and and, you know, social landscapes about the world it's very necessary. But it's got nothing to do with pop music right now. It's got nothing to do with like making money and selling records. And then, you know, there's some fucking 17 year old kid probably on TikTok today, selling an NFT of a song for a fucking million dollars, yeah. <laughs> you know? So the money is still there. Uh, the ears are still there. Plenty of people are listening. It's just this weird new like wild west of like, 
how people tap into this and then tap into it in a functional way where you can actually just like work as a musician and you're not, you know, tied to these giant waves and success to survive, you know? Yeah, see, here, here's the thing when we're talking about these older artists and stuff like that. How does nobody in your team, like, know the way that these, like, younger up-and-coming artists are? And it's more almost like these, like, artists have to be content creators. It's like, you got to have the YouTube, you got to have the TikTok. Like, there's money there to be found. It's just like, you know, you're jamming with your son. You know, I, I know that they put out that record recently. Record that, put put a couple different YouTube videos out per week. There's a decent there's there's enough money coming from Google to listen, it's not gonna be like what you were making, but it's definitely enough to pay the bills off of. Like See, but the, this honestly, but you're kind of towing like the company line a little bit. And okay. it's not your fault. You're not a musician, you know? Yeah. Like, but you know, people do this, they've been doing it to athletes for years until they really empowered themselves and things like this. Like, uh, you shouldn't have to, man. You know, like that, that's the deal is like, you should be able to just be a musician and be paid for it. Like you shouldn't also have to be an excellent content creator and someone who at 80 years old, is either paying a young kid or doing themselves to like eke themselves into this world. So some like 18 year old can laugh at Crosby, Stills and Nash. Like there's a line there where, you know, or even someone like David Crosby could lose his older fans. If he starts clowning around on social media and like, like, hello, you know, it just, it's a hard fit. And I, I reject the concept that someone with his body of work should have to do that. You know what I mean? I think uh, there should be enough stream. I mean, we're not talking about like a nominal artist here. Like yeah. these are songs you hear in the fabric of our culture over and over and time and time again, they're here. So I, I don't know. The guy should be able to sort himself out with having a, to hawk himself on TikTok. you know? I mean, it's sad because it's like, you know, like I know, I'm like younger than you are, but I've I've already tried to come up in a business that disappeared in front of my eyes, uh, journalist and and doing all all of that stuff and seeing guys who are well respected. I mean, just look at a guy like Mark Stein. Granted, it's by choice, but he's now on Substack. So with right. when when the mediums and the outlets kind of shrink and everything kind of falls on you, you, you do what you can to survive. I mean, listen, sure. You know, I like my career in like radio. You like, you know, I like all of that stuff, but I didn't set out to be like producing people's radio shows. I showed out. I got you, man. To like write. And I, stuff did, like I that. didn't think I was going to be a fucking podcast host. Yeah, for yeah. The last so few, there we you go. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I was p playing drums behind Eddie Vedder like not that long ago. So yeah, I, I get it completely. I mean, maybe the, the way to um, narrate it and put it in a framework that makes more sense is like, not don't be a musician. But unless you like don't be a musician like me, you know, <laughs> it's like if you want to just play a guitar yeah. and write songs and, and do that, well, get another job and do that at the coffee shop mm. or the bar and don't imagine you'll make a lot of money off it unless you're willing to do this other stuff, yeah. you know? Um, all right. Well, boy, we're just talking about a lot of things that I think are uh 
important, but I'm not sure what the demographic for this is. Let's talk about the Academy Awards, something else that young yeah. people don't care about. Uh, so yeah. several major Academy Awards will not be presented. Really pushing for the 60-plus crowd. I know. Right, we huh? love it. We, hey, there's money there. There's <laughs> David, money Crosberry. <laughs> David Crosberry. David <laughs> Crosberry. The Oscars. Yeah, the Oscars. Oh, my God. Um, all right. So several major Academy Awards will not be presented on air during this year's Oscars in an effort to present a more streamlined, television-friendly broadcast Eight honors will instead be awarded off-air during the show, and they'll try to cut it in and, and present them like they do the other ones. But this provides a ethical challenge. When you're looking at, uh, the, you know, ABC paid a lot for this, for the right to air the Oscars every single year. And to be quite frank, they haven't gotten their money's worth. So a lot of pressure on the Oscars uh, to deliver a big number, but is is kind of biting the hand that feeds you by the Oscars, taking away a honor for people that have put their life's work into these projects. Is that really the way to get the big number that the Oscars are seeking? Yeah. I feel bad, but yeah. I think so. Mm. Yeah. Because like I've said, I've looked at so many awards that I didn't care about or had nothing invested in to get to the things that I do for so long that I don't really like care that much anymore. And they have a, a big problem, you know? So I get the impression that the Oscars is kind of doubling down on their position of like, no, we're not going to put the Avengers in here just because more people want to see the Avengers. I think they're leaning more into being a, a more niche and artistic award based truly on merit in the industry and not basing it on a mainstream appeal. And in order to like, you know, trim it to that point, I think you have to do the other side, which is at least attempt to present a little bit more of a streamlined version of this for the modern consumer. I mean, we just got done talking about the massive difference between the way an 80 year old and an 18 year old consumes things right now. And, you know, the, the gallantry and the, you know, the red carpets and the things that used to matter to people don't seem to matter as much. And you got to find some different ways to tap into people or you're going to lose the whole thing. So, uh, yeah, I think it's probably more important that you cater to, all the people interested in films rather than the people in films. Yeah. And what was the big appeal for the Oscars all along? It was, oh, I get to see all of these stars in one place. Well, there's a place you can do that every single day. Yeah. And it's called Social Instagram. Media. Exactly. Yeah. So it's, it's like, like the access is there already. Like, yeah. Yeah. I can hear Whoopi Goldberg tell terrible Jew jokes the, on Twitter now if I want. I don't have to tune into the Oscars at all. <laughs> Uh, so the Oscars has a big problem, and you can edit that. Uh, hey, if you want, listen. <laughs> I see you. You're making a mental note right now. See you can it. tell it because my like left Don't eyebrow twitches. Don't censor me, Denny. <laughs> Don't censor me. Oh, I won't. I, I won't. Will not be censored. Oh, yeah. But you probably I, censor me so much, and I have no idea. Listen, hey, listen to the show. Oh, listen, oh. To, listen to. The I show. do listen to the program, <laughs> Jackoff. You, you ever wonder why, like? random friday mornings at like 7 30 in the morning i'm like that was a good one yeah you yeah, know yeah. that it happens i'll check up on you and, Don't now, worry. and now it's like 4 30 in the morning and i'm like oh my god benny's waking me up oh yeah, man, all crazy. right yeah. oh it's funny but 
Yeah, no, the Oscars, listen, it, it's just become like the Pulitzer Prize or like, you know, right. where it's less of a TV thing, honor these people, get people to go to your mu- museum, and uh, yeah, just just figure this out. But we don't need to see Leo in a, a tux when we see him in San Tropez on Instagram anyway, so. Yeah, I, you know what they should do? What? I just thought of this. Yeah, yeah, I'd love this. Introduce like a 15-minute roast bit into the oscars <laughs> just let one roaster come up and have some fun periodically that's why people tune into yeah. these big celebrity events now they love roasts i love a roast yeah love oh, a roast oh, love so it. let some roasting go maybe that'll work oh. ricky gervais style hey <laughs> yeah. it brought a lot of clicks it worked it worked you know worked. Uh, well benny can we talk about someone who deserves to be roasted yes What's what's up, Tom Brady? Tom Brady is making oh, Hollywood moves. Oh, you're so moves. mad about this. <laughs> I'm so, I, listen, I sent you a text and I was Get like, out of my wheelhouse, Tom. <laughs> Tom Brady is making Hollywood moves after retiring from football. He will star and produce in a football-themed road trip movie, uh, 80 for Brady. Oh, fucking original. Um, the Hollywood icons, Lily Tomlin, Jane Fonda, Rita Moreno, and Sally Field. Okay, I will finish Love this it. calmly. We'll start in the feature about four best friends and... That are New England Patriots fans who take a life-changing trip to the 2017 Super Bowl to see their hero. Hero, okay. Uh, Tom Brady play and the chaos that ensues navigating the wilds to the biggest sporting event in the country. Benny, are you into this? Oh, my God, yes. (laughs) I think your vitriol... (laughs) Is so all right, all right. Well, your vitriol makes me happy. I, I got to say that about this. Just to just to be clear, it's funny to me how much Tom Brady gets under your skin for some reason. Um, but there, there's two aspects to this. The actual film itself, I very much want to see. I love Lily Tomlin. I love Sally Field. Those are two of my all-time great actresses the other two are great as well but those are two of my favorite personal actresses from childhood until now so i love those two i love the fact of these like old hilarious great acting women in a fucking buddy road trip movie (laughs) it sounds great to me i'll watch it i'll watch it a hundred times out of a hundred i think the concept is funny you know, going to the like the Super Bowl, seeing Tom Brady, like that's an interesting mix of worlds that I like. So I'm going to see the movie and I'm excited to see the movie. The other side of this is like, how quick can Tom Brady just be on fucking Kobe Bryant's jock and try for like the, you know, he, he's been setting out to do this like three years before he even retired. Like this is Tom Brady. This you don't just fish out a movie from the Super Bowl till now. Like this has been going on for a while. It was part of his retirement is the fact that he can roll this out. You know what I mean? Like it's all so calculated and Tom Brady-ish that there is an element to me that makes me like not want to spend my money on it. Yeah. You know where I'm like, I want to see this movie, but I'll probably illegally download it. That's where I'm at. I, I think and you're a little madder. That's Go great. On. That's great. Hey, Tom, if, if, if you want to see in Hollywood, maybe don't hire writers to do it. Maybe, you know, uh, oh. I'm sure that your fingers work. Um, you know, put you've used your finger test. for 20 I years. I bet you're not going to put this shit on YouTube. Oh, I'm going to put this shit like like nerd in a, in a, <laughs> uh, 
uh, addict. <laughs> Refu- I can't even refugee think of LA nerd. Refugee LA nerd is mad at Tom Brady. Some, yeah. Something tells me that's not going to get as much clicks as punk rock drummer reacts and Pete Bob Davidson. Trevor, yeah. Um, yeah, but no, Tom, if, if, if you want to do it, like, all he has to do is just, he, he's going to what? Show up for 15 days and, like, then he just gets the movie and the star turn. That's a little bit more ridiculous. Oh, but okay. Here, here's the deal, right? If he wants to make a movie, cool, right? Yeah. Fine. How the heck is he getting Lily Tomlin, Jane Fonda, Rita Moreno, Sally Field, Mount Rushmore of yeah. women, like, breaking the glass ceiling in Hollywood? Like, Jane Fonda is not being an activist, so she can be in her 80s and, I like, I agree there. There's something behind the scenes that we don't know about. Yeah. Like, Tom must have hired you know, a producer or a casting director or both, you know, that has like very good relationships and can at least guarantee some level of quality to this film. So I'm sure they had to do a bunch of stuff prior to getting this cast to, to sign on to the movie to at least guarantee it's not a total fucking piece of shit, but it's a Tom Brady movie and Tom Brady's in it. He's making it. There's also been another position that Tom has been linked to, and it's because there's a there's a seat open next to Joe Buck in the Fox Broadcasting booth. That's right. Uh, Hall of Famer Troy Aikman is expected to leave Fox Sports to become the main analyst of ESPN's Monday Night Football. Um, Aikman's ESPN deal will, will be five years and a salary that is above Tony Romo's $17.5 million per year. This is crazy. The deal's not signed yet, but apparently it's near, near completion per the New York Post. Uh, this comes after a offseason where we already hear uh, rumors of Al Michaels getting his bag at Amazon and a broadcasting shakeup that we haven't really seen uh, in, in the booth for about 15 years as streamers and all of that stuff w- make their way into the shield. So, Benny, let me start here with this. Do we care about this because of the names involved? Do we care about this because of the money? Or do most fans not care at all? Uh, yeah, I don't think any. I think very few people care. I mean, I shouldn't say that actually. Like, people really do have a, a vested interest and opinion in who's calling Monday night games. And if it's a, a bad crew in particular, you do hear a lot about it and people do get pretty upset about it. So I actually do think you're going to see a lot of opinions about this from uh, like the fan side. You know, I don't think you're going to see a lot from the. Uh, team or league side about it because they they don't give a shit Um, oh oh on the contrary roger goodell cares uh, so much about this okay so um but on a personal level you know um i'll never not uh not dislike troy aikman i'm sorry i was a giants fan through the through the cowboys dynasty him michael irvin emmett smith they're all on my permanent shit list and uh, I don't like looking at his face, his smug cowboy's face, you know? So that's my opinion on it. I'd rather see anyone up there than Troy Aikman, even Tony Romo. At least he never beat the Giants. You know? <laughs> so this is important for a couple different reasons, right? So, yeah, well, yeah, you, you, you know why this is more important than me. I'm just a Cowboys hater. So Monday Night Football, as you know, was the biggest deal. Al Michaels leaves ABC, ESPN, to go to NBC and Sunday Night Football becomes the biggest thing. So with with Amazon trying to make, following the logic that I don't quite agree with, that wherever Al Michaels goes is going to be the biggest thing. So they want Al Michaels for Thursday Night Football. And um, rumor has it also that they've been trying to get a 
Aikman, Michaels, Booth for Thursday Night Football to make Thursday the marquee game, which ethically, there's a lot of questions there, right? So Mm -hmm. ESPN kind of desperate with the Monday Night Football thing. Now that that broadcast is not on ABC and it's on cable, uh, they've, they've had a tough time getting the right booth together, and the product has hurt, which is why the Manning cast has been such a deep savior for, for them. It kind of has brought more attention to it. So they're trying to get some somebody that people care about on the main broadcast because that's that's the broadcast that they paid all this money for. So it's a big deal because it's uh, ESPN trying to regain the importance of Monday Night Football, which, to be honest, they've completely lost. So that's what all of these they're spending all of this money on is Every outlet wants their game to be the most important game. And you know who wins all of this? Roger Goodell, because he's just making everybody that much more money. Hmm. All right. I can see that. That makes more sense. You know what I just found in uh, Troy Aikman's Wikipedia? What? Which I hadn't realized. You know, he's a divorced man. And he remarried in 2017 to high-end fashion retailer Catherine Capamuti. She has two sons with her ex-husband, Jerry Moody, who is nephew of Cowboys owner Jerry Jones. Oh, incest? I, I mean... Cowboys incest? <laughs> I, like, so that's pretty interesting that Troy Aikman's wife is connected very much to the Cowboys family, but in a sort of weird way. I, I bet... There's definitely some shit behind the scenes here, if, if oh. that's the case. Come I mean, on now. It's it, it's a star for a reason. Dallas Illuminati. <laughs> it's real. Yeah, that is a, <laughs> that's a creepy thing down there. And my wife was asking about this. She's like, how do like really rich Southern people act? And I'm like, oh, it's even weirder than you'd think. It's cotillions, private, like like they wear weird clothes to get together. They do like strange customs. The Southern rich, you can't trust them. They're weird. Have I you, can't trust any of them. Have you ever been asked to play a cotillion? This is what <laughs> not, I, I need to know. Not yet. Not yet. I've been working my way around the Savannah circuit, trying, trying to get Savannah in. Circuit. Fun town. Fun town. It is a good town. All right. Well, then let's go back up to our neck of the woods, our town, and we have more Kyrie Irving talk. Benny, it's been a couple of weeks. Are you ready to pick up this fight again? Yeah, I am. All right, cool. Uh, and so New York... <laughs> I've relaxed. Okay. If I can talk about Tom Brady making movies today, you can talk about Kyrie Irving. Uh, okay. New York has a plan to phase out the vaccine mandate in the coming weeks. Mayor Eric Adams says, at which point... Which, this was a funny tweet from Shams because he makes it sound like Eric Adams is talking about... Like, he, about Kyrie. About Kyrie Irving. Uh, uh, but Sham says that at this point... Once a vaccine mandate is gone, Brooklyn Nets star Kyrie Irving would be cleared for home games. Um, but the rule as of the moment remains in place. So I got to ask you this. Did Kyrie Irving win this? Yeah. Like, like th- without a doubt, Kyrie Irving won this. He won it the first time around when KD got hurt and the Nets folded and even let him play. That was a win. He waited it out and and got what he wanted. And then he waited even longer and got what he wanted. And I think like he's in a weird sort of Aaron Rodgers land now where like the team is so exciting and the things could come into place that are so exciting that you know, people could forget about it really quick. So 
yeah, I think Kyrie's a hundred percent won this. Yeah. It's, it, it's amazing to see because, you know, for so long people are like, you got to get vaccinated. You got to have the proof of vaccination to go anywhere. And now all these cities across the country are just getting rid of it. Like there's not like cities with hundreds of COVID cases. It's like, what are we doing here? Oh, I, I mean, I don't, that's a whole nother podcast about, yeah. you know, what's happening here and the decrease. And like, I, I couldn't even tell you at this point, it's yeah. like a giant goddamn blur and I'm raising kids in this thing. And, you know, the amount of uh, decision-making that's been left to, to yourself in this has been borderline horrifying. You know mm. what I mean? Being that I'm a, a professional drummer who likes to smoke pot, uh-huh. you know? Yeah. Like there's only so much I should have been qualified to make decisions for <laughs> in this. And I think we were all put in a bizarre position of having to uh, assume we knew more than we did. Yeah. Um, and the thing with Kyrie is like, we never knew. He never said why he didn't get it. You know what I mean? And what if he comes out in a few months and, you know, finally says, oh, I was keeping it private, but it was like because of this and this and I, you know, couldn't get the vaccine because of this. And it's actually like a real reason or something like, I don't know. Um, but I think you're seeing, uh, you know, like you pointed it out and it's the, the, the lifting of these mandates or proof of that, that like the whole public perception on the issue uh, is changing. People are less violent about you know having to keep the masks on and having to get vaccinated i don't know if it's just sheer exhaustion of people like desperately wanting their old life back and willing to make stupid decisions to to get that or it's actually happening but it does seem like there's some kind of you know from the start of the season till now there is a different sentiment i think about what people view this as going forward let's take it back to what we know not public health policy but you got to be pretty, pretty excited about this. Having Kyrie for every game af- after th- this great trade. So, like, you're going to have uh, time for the Kyrie when Kevin Durant gets back. You-, you could have time for the Kyrie, Kevin Durant, Ben Simmons thing to kind of find legs before the playoffs, which is very exciting. Yeah, it sure is. And then, you know, I don't know, you know, Joe Harris is looking murkier and murkier for the rest of the season. But, you know, you went ahead and... um uh, you know, with Curry uh, gobbling up those big minutes at the two, Cam Thomas like turning into a very functional, you know, bench player for this season. And, you know, who knows about the, the sky? You're going to have, you know, uh, in some of these formats, you're going to have Patty Mills coming off the bench again, you know, um, being able to do what he does. So the actual basketball itself, I mean, especially with the uh, question marks around all the other teams in the East still, um, yeah, I mean it's 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 super exciting, and you know if you're telling me that a lineup of uh, even without Joe Harris, if you're telling me lineups can go out there with like you know Kyrie Irving and um, and Seth Curry and Patty Mills and maybe one defensive guy out there, and then you mix them with Ben Simmons and Kevin Durant, you know, kind of running at the four and five against certain lineups, hey, it could be fucking devastating, and uh, and I'm really excited for it. So. You know, it's it's one of those things, man. You know, Kyrie Irving was in Boston. I thought he was a fucking asshole. You know, he's in Cleveland. I thought he was a fucking asshole. You know, he's not playing for the Nets. I think he's a fucking asshole. He's out there getting like 38 and 8, and the Nets go on a 10-game winning streak. I'm a biased fan like anybody else, you know? 
Yeah, man. And who would have thought that, you know, after the deadline, the Nets would be one of the teams in the Eastern Conference that we know the most about? I mean, like, yeah. like you look yeah. at, yeah. James Hart is the question mark. Yeah, right yeah. Now, he, he, he's know? a question mark. Philly yeah, has, has some questions. You're starting to see the Instagram, Twitter videos of Ben Simmons in the gym uh, getting yeah. those shots Working up. with Kyle. I mean, tell me Kyle. that's not an optic the Nets put out on purpose. Yeah. Ben Simmons working with Kyle Korver at practice. You know, this is like, it's kind of setting up a weird thing for Ben Simmons, but some of the stuff coming out of Nets world in the last week or two is making me think the people around Ben Simmons are getting more and more optimistic about what he can bring for sure. And it 100% makes up them back in the day trading him for, what was that, a fax machine? Remember that? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> it all comes full yeah. circle. You know, and it's it's it goes to our quick attention spans, you know, like uh, I think people um, when the Nets signed Kevin Durant and he was working his way back and and he came back and people are like, oh, right. Kevin Durant. That's Kevin. He's one of the best players in the world. I kind of like forgot. We haven't seen him in a while. You know, if Ben Simmons is is some version of himself, you know, that's a 25 year old all NBA player like he. He's a fucking good basketball player. And if he's actually engaged and then around all these people, I don't know, man. Like, I'll tell you, the 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 future and the feeling I have in my stomach about the Nets now as opposed to a month ago is markedly different. We love an expanded championship window here at the tune-up, and that's exactly what the Nets did. All right. right. One more story today. And we're going out to Lakerland via Cleveland a little bit? According to a report from Eric Pincus of Bleacher Report. My guy, by the way. Eric's a great, great, great reporter. Uh, What's up, Eric? (laughs) Tensions are high between LeBron James Agency, Clutch Sports, and Lakers general manager Rob Palenka, which which it's funny because here's how you knew the the, the tension was deep. Adele did not sit by Rob Palenka. Major (laughs) major goss. Um, All right. The reported tension between the two parties comes from a a trade that did not quite happen at the deadline that saw the Lakers uh, fail to acquire former All-Star John Wall from the Rockets. Uh, Like LeBron, Wall is also a Clutch Sport client and wanted a trade out of Houston. And because Clutch pretty much runs the Lakers, they were like, come on out to the West Coast. It did not happen, but I, for the life of me, can't figure out how a guy... Like LeBron, who's a very smart guy, can tell you all of these plays. Um, it can get mad at Rob Palenka when he wanted a Russell Westbrook trade. Okay, so well, yeah. there's just okay. a, like a lot of lack of accountability always on LeBron's part. When he doesn't, su- when he succeeds, he's like, "I'm the best." But when he doesn't succeed, it's always somebody else's fault. So, yeah. Benny, I'm, I'm having a hard time seeing where this ends with LeBron. There's been rumors about him going back to Cleveland, him wanting to play with his son wherever his son gets drafted. So please help me out here. I, I mean, here's where LeBron, like, you know, sometimes I get shocked at people's inability to understand who people are. What LeBron James is doing right now is LeBron James. <laughs> this is what he does. Like, he, yeah, he put this team together. Sure. He pushed for the Westbrook trade. Sure. It's not working out. So LeBron goes, I don't fucking care who did this. It doesn't matter who did this. I'm 37-year-old LeBron. I'm on the Lakers. Get me what I need. Get me what I need to go. If I have an idea 
you have to give up your 2027 first round pick that won't exist when I'm still a player. LeBron could give a shit about that pick. All he wants is more support right now. Probably had a conversation with John Wall. John Wall, obviously some healthy version of John Wall that we knew a few years back would be a better fit with this Lakers team than Westbrook, but we have no idea what that guy looks like, you know? And I'm sure Houston was not very excited to take back Russell Westbrook again and probably needed not only a pick, but any number of Malik Monks or Taylor Horton Tuckers or the, the small batch of promising players the Lakers even do have that are under like 34 years old. So I think that's what happened. And I think LeBron got extremely predictably mad because it's what he does. You know what I mean? Like, and he doesn't care about how this worked out. That being said, you know, we all have eyes. LeBron has eyes. Clutch Sports has eyes. Like, the future of the Lakers does not look so bright. You know what I mean? The way the salaries are put together, the way AD obviously just can't stay on the floor, even when he does, like, you know, you're like, oh, what's going on right now? So you don't think LeBron just spent like a weekend in Cleveland, you know, rubbing shoulders with some of the old crew. Ah, this guy who, you know, like I remember him. He's one of the dudes who helps with the locker room. What's up? And they love LeBron. He's getting standing O's. All of his Akron kids are there. These kids he put through fucking college and shit, you know, like he's, he's a God. And then he goes back there and then he sees, fucking Evan Mobley and uh, ripping it up in the skills competition. You got some, you know, fucking 19 year old center, like, like ripping threes and then dribbling through the skills competition. You got Jared Allen, like the funniest guy in the whole break. Garland looked great. You don't think he's like raising his eyes, you know? So uh, this, this idea that people have that it's like this absolute impossibility, like LeBron's going to leave and he's not going to do I think you're crazy. LeBron's going to go where he needs to go to get the things done that he wants to get done. And that's what the guy is going to do. And he's been painfully transparent about that, like almost his whole career. Um, And I think he'll do it again. I think the big caveat here is Cleveland, A, there's no guarantee that Bronny James is a legit NBA player. Yeah. You know, like who should actually be drafted first round or second round at all to an NBA team. We have no idea about that yet. Like, that's still too far. And then on top of that, we don't know who would pick him and in what context. And, you know, like if he's drafted to the Sacramento Kings and LeBron James is 39 years old, I would be surprised to see him go to the Sacramento (laughs) Kings. That would surprise me. So the idea that he wants something to happen in L.A., totally true. The idea that he could leave L.A., totally true the idea that he's going to make this happen perfectly in lockstep with his son in Cleveland. Who, I don't know. That's a stretch. I feel validated by this entire conversation. Cause I don't know if you remember like a year and a half ago on this podcast, I was like, he's going to end his career with the golden state warriors. And, ah, and you I know, probably I called you crazy. Yeah. You called me crazy. And I'm like, I'll Oh, I knew crazy. Los Angeles was not going to be the final desk. Listen, you can get bored of the weather here. And I think oh, LeBron James oh. has. As, yeah. But no, if I'm the Cavs, man, there is no way I let myself get hurt for a third time. Because like, he's either leaving your team after he tries to bring you a title, which, by the way, I'm not sure. Listen, he's got one or two more great years left. And then it's like, 
serviceable and you've built up this team for the future and in order to get him and to clear space you need to get rid of everything that you built Kobe Altman is yeah. way smarter than that I, it's it's if it's gonna happen it's gotta be like you know and this is whatever I, I watch sports I'm a sports fan and I'm coming up with like a delicious movie sports narrative but the, the only way this like actually probably works is LeBron being totally free and clear and fucking going to Cleveland on like a minimum deal. Yeah. You know, really giving it back to Cleveland. Like this is my gift. I'm coming back as a 40 year old man to run with this team, help him out, be, be the dude I need to be for this. And you only have to pay me fucking $2 million a year. You know, like he could do it. It's not like, uh, it's not, not like he's going to be uh, applying for financial aid, you know, after that year happens. So, you know, there. if there's anything LeBron understands, too, it's a narrative. He loves being like the man of the people, you know, that's a big thing for him. And he has put his money where his mouth is like quite a few times. I can't imagine how much money of his own LeBron has actually put up to do some of the stuff he does. So it's possible. All right, we're going to end this with positive LeBron PR. Funny ways to get in contact with the show because you always want to stay on the good side of clutch, right? As Rob Plink is figuring <laughs> yeah. out. Yeah. Funny ways to get in contact with the show. You can email email us at the tune up podcast at gmail.com. Do peas in there. If you want to follow us on all the social platforms, we at the tune up HQ on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. Uh, if you want to follow Benny on Twitter, he is at Benny Horowitz1. Number one in your mind, number one in your heart, number one on the Twitters. I'm at Denny underscore Gallagher. Benny, you got anything else? Yeah, the most important thing this week is is to project some positivity out there, help where you can, and uh, you know, stay up. It's going to be a hard week. The show's ended. Go in peace. You've been listening to The Tune-Up.